Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. I am so happy to welcome the president of our South Florida chapter of Susan G. Komen, Kim Hurd. It's great to talk to you again. It's great to talk to you as well, Ellen. You mentioned briefly last time we spoke about being a 25-year breast cancer survivor yourself. And I know how much things have changed in that amount of time. Do you mind sharing with the audience a little bit about your own journey and how you've seen the evolution in treatments and outcomes since you started working with Komen? Absolutely. I was diagnosed at the age of 38. I'm a 25-year survivor this year. Don't do the math. (laughs) (laughs) I was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer, and I discovered the lump doing a self-exam, and I'm living proof that early detection helps save lives. I had chemotherapy. I had radiation. You make it sound like it's nothing, and you had a great deal of it. I did. I had chemotherapy for 14 months and I had six weeks of radiation simultaneously. I literally listened to my hematology oncologist who was doing the IV chemo and my radiology oncologist who was doing the radiation argue in front of me about who was going to go first. Oh my goodness. That's what I said. And so I wound up doing it at the same time. It was funny because I kept getting blood clots. I tried not to get a port, try to use my veins in my left hand, the only hand I could use. And it wasn't smart. So after two rounds, I knew that wasn't the way to go. And so I was in the hospital with blood clots and I was like, oh boy, I get to skip radiation for a couple of days. And I was at um, UM and every day an ambulance came and took me right around the corner. Oh, my God. To Sylvester for my radiation. There was just no escaping. I'm sure it was for the best. At the time, it didn't seem like it. (laughs) I can't even imagine the impact on your body. ah. And we know that there have been huge improvements in the impact and the side effects as the medications have changed and the treatments have changed. So going back 25 years, how did you even mentally get through that long of a time dealing with it? My faith in God. My faith in God. God can take anything, no matter how dark it looks, and turn it into light. The weird thing was, I talked about at that time looking for my purpose in life, like how am I going to make my mark and make a difference for someone? And my first trip back for my follow-up after surgery, three weeks, my doctors were like, now mind you, I'm a cosmetologist by trade and I'm right-handed. My right hand was affected, so I had my pillow. So to the best of my ability, I beat my face with my left hand and did my little ponytail over the side. And I came in, good morning, good morning. Just so happy to be alive and have the surgery over with. And everybody was just amazed at how happy I was. And it was so solemn in there. So the doctors came in when I was in the examining room. There were two of them. They were like, we have somebody out here, young lady. And she's really not handling this well. Could you talk to her? And, you know, I leaned away like, what am I going to say to her? (laughs) I don't know anything. And he said, take a minute. And I sat there. Okay, God, give me what to say to this lady. I just don't even know. So I went out to talk to her and then she didn't speak English. And I'm like, okay. So all I could do was ask her if you believe in God. And she did her hand kind of like so-so. And I just stopped my foot and pointed at my foot like, you got to know that you know. And she nodded her head like, oh, okay. And did a sort of smile, but her countenance seemed to raise. 
And I was like, okay, and that was it. And then I went back into the room like, did I even help her? (laughs) I'm going to say, yes, you did. They said I did. Yeah. And so from there, I wanted to, in my family, Bahamian descent, no one talked about cancer. I wanted to change that and have the conversation. So any and everybody that would listen to me, I had a conversation about breast cancer, getting screened, knowing your risk, knowing your family history. So <laughs> that kind of, you know, is you found how I got your purpose. Going. You found your pink I purpose. Did. Yeah, I did. Well, fortunately, Susan G. Komen has been out there for 40 years now. Almost 40. Almost 40. Okay. And here we are all these years later. And because of their fundraising and because of funding research, the treatments are so much easier to handle the duration of time you have to go through. And so you went right to Komen when you finished all of your protocols and volunteered. I did. Why was Komen what you chose? As the organization, um, I experienced racial disparities as it relates to healthcare. And like I said, I've always been an advocate, not just for myself, because whatever I'm going through, I wonder, you know, I'm pretty good at defending myself, speaking up for myself, challenging what isn't fair or true or right. But there are a lot of people that are not. And I always think about what about the people that can't? What about somebody laying on a gurney that's too sick to even voice what's going on that's wrong, that's unfair, that's just not right? So I knew that that was my calling and that I wanted to change that experience because the breast cancer journey is daunting in and of itself. Navigating the healthcare industry is another daunting part of it. You yes, know? it is. And so if you can take the little stuff off the plate and take the barriers away and make people's journeys a little bit lighter, why would you not? Yeah, and that way they can focus on healing their bodies while you're helping them take care of the day-to-day details. And spirit and attitude is everything. It's everything in healing. In the time since Komen was formed and they started funding research, there have been great advances. Tell me again, you mentioned the statistic on survival rates when we spoke last, but tell the audience again. When I was diagnosed in 1995, the relative survival rate for five years was 74%, and now it's 99%. I love that number. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I love being in that number. (laughs) Yes, yes. And 25 years. Yeah. So one of the reasons there has been so much progress is because Komen became this giant organization of women who were so committed to making change. And they began this race for the cure every year, raising money to fund research, which helps with the treatments. This year, as we know, is different from any other year because of COVID-19. So you've gone virtual. Tell me about the 2020 virtual More Than Pink Walk. So Coleman never relenting in its pursuit of a world without breast cancer. We're taking the event virtual. Our supporters include men and women. And so, again, demonstrating our commitment to never giving up the fight against breast cancer, our 2020 More Than Pink Walk, Miami-Fort Lauderdale, will be on Saturday, October 17th. This is new for us, and we're excited about it. The virtual event will continue by engaging online and personal walk-where-you-are experiences in homes and neighborhoods across South Florida 
to protect the safety of participants in the COVID-19 climate. We welcome breast cancer supporters, survivors, thrivers, and their loved ones to join together for a morning of inspiration and meaningful remembrance via Coleman's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Coleman Florida, and become participants and take to your treadmill, sidewalks, or parks for a safely distanced walk in your own communities to raise funds for Coleman's initiatives and programs. The funds raised will support Coleman's four pillars, research, usually our grantees, hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices, care, the point of delivery, community, our reach in the community, and our partners in the community like yourselves, you know, all the supporters. That's definitely community and action. Action is where advocacy comes in and doing what we're doing now, keeping that conversation going. So vital focus areas to find a cure provide confidence support to those living with breast cancer and advocate for access for care for all. We know that we don't want a zip code to stop or hinder anyone's treatment. So money's raised last year from last year's Susan G. Komen More Than Pink Walk, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, helped to provide services to 7,847 South Floridians. Can I say that again? Yeah, please do. 7,847. Over 24 years, I've seen the numbers go up and up and up. And while we can't help everybody, that's a significant impact. It is local. You are helping people here. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there's no cost to register for the More Than Pink Walk. And all participants who raise a minimum of $100 in donations will receive a beautiful commemorative event t-shirt. Also, all survivors and those living with metastatic breast cancer will receive special t-shirts recognizing their resilience and inspiration role. And our chair for this year is my board co-vice president, Dr. Don Piper. And she's working hard to make sure that this virtual walk, our first time virtual walk is going to be the most, the best. The biggest. (laughs) Yes. I'm counting on people to just look out their windows that morning and see lots of pink tutus going by. And join them. Yes. And you want to take a lot of pictures, videos while you're doing your pink thing so that everybody could see, you know, all your Facebook friends, Instagram, let everybody know how you're making a difference in a very pink way. <laughs> okay. Let me just add that a couple of our national sponsors are Bank of America and Walgreens. And so I just want to remind everyone the way to participate for the Susan G. Coleman Virtual 2020 More Than Pink Walk, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Registration is free. And if anyone is interested in sponsorships, for more information about supporting the More Than Pink Walk, please contact Denise Mariani. She's the Director of Development for Susan G. Coleman, Florida. And you can reach her at denise at comanflorida.org. Now, for people who want to actually sign up and participate in the walk or who just want to support someone who is already walking, either as an individual or as part of a team, they go right to your website. Coleman, M-I-A-F-T-L dot org. And there's very easy to see links. It's very easy. If you want to become a team captain, it'll show you how to become a team captain. I hope that 
everybody wants to be a team captain. Yeah, right, right. And it only takes two people for a team and um, get to fundraising. It can be as an individual or you can find the team that you want to donate to. And I'm just going to do a really shameless plug. Oh, go for My it. My team is Kim's Pink Steel. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. But anyway, find a team, figure out a way to donate, but think about the women that you're going to help. And when you think about women losing their jobs and men, because, you know, men get breast cancer as well. Yes. When you lose your job, there goes your insurance. I cannot imagine navigating this environment right now without insurance. COVID is heavy enough and adding that to your plate is just way too much. So this is a way that we can help other people see brighter days. I love it. So if anyone has questions, should they call or email? Whichever their preference is. Okay, let's give both. Okay, so for the walk, the phone number is 561-514-3020. The email is walk at Coleman, org, or visit www.comanflorida.org slash Miami Walk. Okay. October 17th, we're almost there. If you have a company or if you can get your boss to start a team to help fundraise, I know it's hard everywhere, but there's no amount that's too small. So whatever you can do, Okay. Include your your workplace, your workspace, your coworkers. Whatever you can do, whether it's supporting financially, whether it's asking someone to uh, make a donation, whether it's participating yourself or being a helper to someone who needs help. Everything you can do, publicize it, put you know, little flyers up, send emails out to everybody you know, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, put it on Twitter. Is there a hashtag that people should be using? Hashtag 2020 more than pink walk. Hashtag 2020 more than pink walk. Okay. I'm looking forward to your best ever more than pink walk virtually. (laughs) October 17th, Susan G. Komen, first ever virtual more than pink walk. You've got all of the website, the phone number, I'll put it all up on our Facebook page at Easy 931 also so you can have an easy direct link to go get to that. Kim Hurd, president of the South Florida chapter of Susan G. Komen, you have been such a great spirit and a great guide for anyone who needs that guidance. And I thank you for what you're doing and just wish you the best as you continue to work with Komen to make that progress and help end the disparities and the inequities in the health system that we still have. I thank you for this opportunity as well. And my faith taught me that each of us should use whatever gift we have to serve others and whatever form that is. And I also believe that generosity is love in action. So thank you. I appreciate you. As do I you. Thank you. And you take care too. Okay. Joining me now is Karen Gray, a former board member and continuing supporter of the Safe Space Foundation in Miami, a domestic violence shelter that has been able to offer a lifeline for women in abusive relationships and continues to despite COVID. Thank you, Karen, for talking to us. And please tell me how you guys are managing to continue to serve when we're not supposed to all be 
together in person. Well, first of all, Alan, thank you for your support. Safe Space really appreciates the fact that you always remember them and you continue to have the conversation about safety, women's safety, violence against women and children. And now that COVID is here, people are scared. Right. But, you know, before we even get into that, I want to remind people that Safe Space Foundation Their main beneficiary and collaborator is the Miami-Dade County Advocates for Victims program. The program has various components under that umbrella that provides a comprehensive range of services, which includes emergency shelter. There's a 24-hour, seven days a week crisis hotline, which is in English, Spanish, and Creole. They have transitional housing crisis counseling and educational group sessions, and advocacy. So there's a whole range of things that fall under the umbrella, you know. When women come to the shelter, they get vouchers for food, for personal care items, for clothing. They go through an intake program, so if they need financial assistance, all of that's uncovered. There's children and youth services, there's health screening. So it is a comprehensive program to make the family and the woman, and I hesitate to use the word victim, but to make them whole again so that they can move forward and not move backwards. Because as, you know, we say it all the time, but on an average, it takes about seven times before a woman feels strong enough to stand up on her own and feel self-sufficient enough because it is a mental game and it is a power grab game. And it's a process that, these women go through, and men, where they are stripped of their dignity and their self-confidence to feel that they can get through life and through anything that life throws at them without their abuser. It's almost like a Munchausen syndrome kind of relationship where they're dependent on the abuser because they do love them, and they keep hoping it's going to get better. What's amazing is there are women and men too, but mostly Mm -hmm. women who are in power jobs. They're very Mm -hmm. successful, but Mm -hmm. behind closed doors, it's a different story. And you try and put those two things together and you think, how can it be? And yet it's a different kind of power and self-confidence that is Mm -hmm. in the workplace than what you have at home. Well, you know, there's a circular, the sphere of influence And to end the circle of violence, we usually call it because it is a process. Because you and I both know that an abuser doesn't show his hand before he reels you in. Right. So if you go on a date or you first meet somebody and you're introduced and he turns out to be an abuser, he's not going to start physically hitting you or abusing you in the beginning. You know, they woo you and you might see a little bit of signs, but you go, oh, he's jealous. That's cute. But it's not. And then there's a systematic process of dehumanizing the victim, taking away their sense of self-worth, isolating them. Isolation is so important because when you isolate a victim, they don't have a support system anymore. And also a system of harm, threatening harm to those that they love. So they feel that they don't want to draw them into their problems so they don't speak up. And part of the process that the Advocates for Victims Program and Safe Space Shelters and all the domestic violence shelters do is they give them a way to freedom and self-sufficiency and to let them breathe. You don't have anybody hitting you just because 
they walked in the door and they didn't like the way you answered the question about dinner for no reason other than because they can. And then, you know, they tell you you're not worthy. No one's going to love you. No one's going to want you. And they totally control every ounce and fiber of your being, your existence, your life. A lot of women, if they have a cell phone given to them, you know, they control that. It's just so they can get in touch with you. And I mean, there's signs you can tell, you know, we're in Florida. Why are you wearing a turtleneck and long sleeve sweater to work and you have three inches of makeup on? Mm. Uh, what is it that you're hiding? Talk to us. The best thing someone can do when they sense it is say something and say, listen, you're not alone. And if you ever need to talk, I'm here. And if you ever need help, we can find you help. And there are companies that now have embraced that. I know American Express is one of them. I've been to one of their councils and seminars on domestic violence. And they have a strong domestic violence program where they will help any employee that is facing crisis, help them maneuver their way to freedom, mm -hmm. to safety. And we need to see more of that. And police departments, not all, but some and more are putting domestic violence victim advocates. I know North Miami Beach has one. If I'm not mistaken, Davy Police has one, and I'm sure others do, but they actually have a victim's advocate position there, and it is their job to help the victim maneuver their way. And when, when you have a domestic violence situation, they can come and intercede and, and talk with the victims and help them get to where they need to be to find shelter and assistance. And it does take someone who's specifically trained for that because you're dealing with a very incendiary situation. Yes. I don't want to say anyone can be a psychologist or a social worker, but there are social workers who work with kids and there are social workers that work with people that have different addictions, but there are social workers that work with victims of violence. And it's a specific know-how above and beyond your book learning and your normal experience on the job. You have to know what to look for and you have to be able to talk to them and you have to let them know. I mean, they can't force you to leave. Mm -hmm. They can be empathetic. They can listen. They take specific courses and training so that whatever information you share with them, they do not have to divulge it if it becomes a court issue and they have to go to court. They don't have to divulge any information you've given to them. So it is a specific type of social worker that works with victims of domestic violence and help them navigate the rough waters to a better life and better mental health status. When you have somebody that controls all your finances, that controls your coming and going, that actually poisons the children and uses them in some of the attacks against you, it's a very lonely lonely place to be so you really have to draw that person out of that because they actually come to believe that they're not worthy that no one's going to believe them no one's going to help them because they are isolated and feel very much alone so don't just say why do they leave i mean there are children involved there's finances involved there's a lot of reason why women stay or men stay before they get up and leave you know when they just had it and they say my life if I don't leave now, the next time I get hit could be the last time. The next time they come in drunk and angry or just they don't have to be drunk. Just something rubbed them the wrong way and you're going to be the brunt of their relief. You know, you could get shot. It's tragic. It's very tragic. 
What recourse does a woman have if she's not ready to leave her home and come and stay in an emergency shelter, but she wants her husband or partner, whatever it may be, out? Is she able to get police assistance? Can she get a restraining order? Or does yes. there have to, okay, and there doesn't have to be an actual proof of violence to get that, or does there? Well, when there is a domestic violence call to 911 and they come, if there is any physical sign of violence, if the woman has scars, they automatically remove the abuser from the situation because it used to be man and woman business. It's the marriage. They don't interrupt, but automatically they remove the abuser. And they spend, if I'm not mistaken, they take them to lockup and they cool down for 24 hours. During that time, that is when she should leave because... The most dangerous time is when you're leaving, because remember, this is not about love. It's about control, and it's about power, and it's about people coming unhinged when they see the ones that they control and have power over coming into their own and leaving the nest. It's not like empty nest syndrome when we gladly push our little ducklings out. (laughs) This is someone that controls every aspect of your life and because they do it they feel so emboldened and so empowered and you know it's all done in secret and if you leave then what happens to them you know what does that do to them right which is a completely different story uh, you know it's a completely different conversation they need to also seek help and, and their programs for abusers where they can go and seek help but i think the biggest thing that we need to talk about is that If we want to break the circle of violence, when children are involved, we must get the children counseling and get them help to let them know that is not normal behavior and let them express in their own words what the trauma of it has done to them and how they can get over it. When they see abuse, they become abusers or abusees. Right. We behave as we see modeled by the adults Mm -hmm. in our life. So we think that's normal. That's the way a relationship is. And I think we're making progress with that understanding, but we still have situations where someone will be in court and they use that as their defense for their behavior. And in some way, it is a contributing factor, but it doesn't necessarily mitigate what they've done. It doesn't mitigate what you do. And when you know better, you should do better. And, you know, once you attain adulthood, you should take every step possible of your own fruition to be the best you you can be. But like you said, we are creatures of habit and children do what they see. So if you have someone that has seen that for 18 years, that's a lot of undoing. And that's going to take some work to undo that mindset. So if they're not given the opportunity or take the opportunity to undo it, that's there. That's like the beast in it within. And it's going to wear its ugly head at some point. How you react and what you do when that beast is rearing its ugly head is going to define how that moment plays out. And can you control it? And a lot of us can't control our behaviors. We can't control our anger. And we need to get the help, especially if it's something that a child grows up seeing. They need to get the help because they're going to either be the abuser or the abusee. And 
either one is not acceptable. So when someone comes to Safe Space Foundation or reaches out to Miami-Dade County Advocates for Victims programs, Mm -hmm. not only can you provide them with transitional housing and the assistance to get a new start, but you do provide children and youth services. So there's counseling available for everyone who comes. Let's give the phone number. The hotline number is 800 500 1119. 800-500-1119. Now, how does someone get to Safe Space Foundation? Well, they can't just show up at the door. The proper protocol is they do have to call and there is an intake system. So they call that number. There are many shelters in the state of Florida. They will refer them to the shelter that services their area. The one thing that we need to mention is Safe Space now has three locations. It has Safe Space North, which is Miami, and Safe Space South, which is further south. But they also have Safe Space Central. They took over the lodge. So they now have three locations to serve. And one of the things that Safe Space wants the community to know that they're open. And, you know, it's hard to say they're open for business, but they're about the business of saving lives. So they are open. And they've taken steps to mitigate the whole COVID scenario. Whereas in the past, you might have two families sharing one living space. They've now taken steps so that when people come in, they have one family to a living space. Then that's basically just as if you were home, you would all be in one living space which helps following proper social distancing protocol. So they do want people to know that their services is available to them if it's needed. And don't be afraid to reach out and come out if that's happening, because it is a county shelter. The foundation supports and the shelter is their beneficiary and collaborator. And the foundation raises money to empower and educate and advocate for victims of domestic violence and safe space shelter is the main beneficiary for that. So they should definitely come out. You know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we want people to be cognizant of that. It is breast cancer awareness, but it's also Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you see something, say something. Let somebody know that they're not alone. And if they need help, be cognizant if you see something that looks fishy. Don't just walk up to somebody and go, here, if you need my help, call me, because that alone can set an abuser off. But especially if you work with somebody, let them know. Let them know they're available. You know, you can tell patterns. They bring the victim to work and they come and pick them up. They're not allowed to go out and socialize. There's so many different levels that we need to be cognizant of and be our brothers and sisters keepers. You know, people are losing their lives. You know, with COVID, we're not doing the domestic violence awareness walk, which was our main fundraising and awareness campaign. But we want to make people know that if you've participated in our walk, the walk is always more often than none the first weekend in October. And we're not having that does not mean You can't take that same $25 or $50 or whatever you used to pay to participate in the walk and get the goodie bag and the t-shirt. You can take that same money and go to safespacefoundation.org and donate it to the foundation because their work didn't stop because COVID stopped everything. It just means that they can't do all the things they used to do to get the word out and bring awareness to the communities that they serve. 
So if they don't take anything away from this conversation, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you've supported Safe Space Foundation in our walks, or if you have not, and you're just hearing about it for the first time, just get online and make a donation. Every dollar counts. Then they could use that money because COVID stopped everything. We're opening back up. Domestic violence has not gone away. Abuse, there are still victims out there. There are still families, there are children. It's worse now, but they are open for business. If you need shelter, call the 800 number and they will guide you to safe space if that's the area that serves you. And the phone number again is 800 500 1119. That's a 24 7 hotline. And just remember, silence is not golden. And every nine seconds in America, a woman is beaten or assaulted. That's unacceptable. It's insane. That's insane. And also, people can volunteer. And if they want to volunteer, they can get that information on the website as well. And that's safespacefoundation.org. I am thrilled that you now have three locations of Safe Space Foundation and that you are dealing with the COVID situation, because what I'm hearing from a lot of people is that there's an increase in the domestic violence because people are shut in together. Uh So it's even more important now to use that hotline number, 800-500-1119, or go to safespacefoundation.org. You have options. Don't ever think you're alone. Please call if you need help and get moving. There's a way to do it. Don't endanger yourself. Just know when you reach the point of no return and you want to get out, it's the most dangerous time, but that's when you have to do it. There's a sixth sense that's telling you now is the time for your own safety. There are people that will help you do that. And if you see it, say something and help someone. There's a whole family of people who've been through it who are there to help you and they understand. And it's just that one phone call. You'll know it. Trust your instinct. Exactly. Karen Gray with Safe Space Foundation, thank you for sharing the information, and we want to be sure that everyone knows about it all year long, not just during Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Write the number down, put it on the fridge, tuck it away somewhere that it won't be seen, 800-500-1119. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Alan. You as well. And thank you for joining us this morning for EZ's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50 for a new segment of EZ's Community Focus. Thanks for listening and have a great day.